Welcome to the football bubble, a full house, all five of us. Uh, I don't actually know when the last time that happened. Probably at the start of the season, uh, we managed to get all five of us on, but it is nice. Brenton, Johnny, Steve, Patrick, myself, all here to talk about um, this weekend's football in the Premier League. Maybe chat about the the World Cup coming up, and maybe people not watching it or watching it, whatever, and um, yeah, we'll get through it. So stay tuned with us for hopefully an hour uh, of entertainment. Unfortunately for three of us, we have to talk about how shite our teams were at the weekend, which is not ideal, and the two worst members... Jonathan and Steve get to talk about their teams winning, which is an unfair balance, really. <laughs> I, I preferred it last season when this wasn't happening, um, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but we'll get into all that um, in due course. Uh, we'll start, Paddy, I'm sorry to go again, and you're going to take the brunt here, because I'm hosting it, so I don't, it's not really my fault. Uh, Liverpool, Leeds, Saturday night at Anfield, Liverpool once again. <laughs> Just diabolical in midfield and defensive errors. What what is going on, Paddy? Yeah, you could you could probably just replay what I said last week because it would it would be exactly the same shite again. Like we have now been beaten by the two worst teams in the league in consecutive games: Leeds and Nottingham Forest. And Leeds deserved to win the game. Like Liverpool deserved nothing from it. We were pretty terrible. Um, gifted an early goal. Um, which is now the twelfth time in the last sixteen games that we yes. have gone behind. Um, so it's very hard to win football games if you keep on giving teams a head start. It was a pretty calamitous goal to give away. Dodgy pass by Gomez. Uh, Allison was unlucky to slip, and and it happened for Rodrigo. So it actually started the first three minutes quite well. We looked sort of sharp. Calamitous goal. Then we were on top for ten minutes. Scored a goal. And then just completely went into ourselves. We didn't have a single shot between minutes 14 and 39. Um, we looked so blunted. Salah wasn't really getting into the game. The midfield is just absolutely non-existent. Um, as I've touched on in recent weeks, Fabinho's legs have just fallen off. And he looks like he'd barely get a game for an Irish league side. And yeah, it's it's really, really hard to watch. Big Darwin Nunes just don't get around again for a while. Um and I know you and I, people have spoken at length about Nunes. Um, you're probably a little bit more positive about him than I am. I I think there is a good player in there. I think he's raw as ropes and needs really coached. Like um, he is far from the finished article. He is incredibly erratic. Um, you can't really trust him to look after the ball a lot of the time, uh, or make the right decisions. And I think what's most stark is sometimes he hits shots from lots of different angles, take shots early. Um, and at the start, I was thinking, yeah, he's just he's just greedy. Um, you know, he's seeing these players and just deciding not to pass. I'm starting to think he's not actually seeing the players, and he just sort of plays head down football, which is kind of worrying. So hopefully the coaching team can can work with him. It's, it's not like he's getting loads of chances his way because we're shit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we just... It's very hard to watch at the minute. Um, you could just feel the goal coming. Like Leeds is winner, a minute or two from the end. No one dealt with the the cross from the left hand side, and then defence was too tentative in the box, and a player I'd never heard of, um, with an outstanding first name, scored scored the winner, and and that was it. Um, we never looked like sort of fashioning a chance to get back into the to equalise. 
um, incredibly, incredibly hard to watch. And what I find sort of frustrating with the midfield, I think we have some good technical footballers. Like I really think Harvey Elliott could be a very good player for Liverpool, but there's just not enough kind of grown-ups, um, sort of big, strong men or something. We just look so flimsy. Um, and this, you know, we could play Napoli tomorrow night. That's a dead rubber, effectively, because I'm Napoli have plus about nine nil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm worried about. If they actually well, no, it's sort gonna of happen. bring, no point being worrying. Just may as well embrace it. But... Yeah, if they bring half a team, they, they could fucking hose us. Um, so yeah, it's it's pure shite. I don't know what you thought about um, Saturday night's um, shit show. Can Pro. I? Can well, I say it? To, yes, I, I don't know, both, either or both of you. Um, is it twelve and sixteen? You said, Paddy, that Liverpool have gone behind. Yeah, yep. I think it is. Yeah. Conceded well, the first goal in seventy-five percent of the last sixteen games. Like it's crazy. That's crazy. What? Got to be psychological. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there is because it's not like it's not a fitness thing. You know, they're 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 fit enough to be able to play the first five minutes of games. It's concentration lapses. You know, the goal, the goal they conceded there against Leeds was just brainless. And there's been so many like that, just brainless. Um. And we were actually doing this towards the tail end of last season, you know, a yeah, season that was... On from last season. Yeah, like we were only a couple of games, two games away from winning a quadruple last season. And but we were doing this the last few months of the year. We were going behind, but good enough to come back and win the game. And obviously with more options at our disposal in terms of forwards, you know, we had we had fit, a fit Jota and a fit Diaz. But um, confidence-wise, they, they look absolutely shot. They're sort of... Um, Playing in a very timid fashion, Klopp has tried to change the formation away from Klopp's trusted four-three-three to see if they can get a tune out of some of these midfielders, get a few more forwards onto the pitch. But it looks poor. Like I'd nearly rather just continue with the four-three-three, the thing that all the players are really used to, and and kind of see what happens because it can't really be much worse than losing against Forest and Leeds. Like it's absolutely horrendous. Like is that not a a Klopp problem? Uh, the the first five minutes thing because surely at this stage you know or maybe I don't know he is telling them like lads listen uh, we're conceding all the time first so concentrate and don't do that yeah I'd imagine Klopp saying, saying that sort of that exactly um, I, I, I honestly do, yeah I honestly don't know what it is like um, you know we've spoken sort of privately about sort of you know sports psychology, particularly in reference to McElroy, who I know you're a big fan of, Brendan, but like mm-hmm. there are just, you know, it seems like Liverpool are just having this kind of psychological breakdown um, at the start of games at the minute, and I don't really know what they're going to have to do to turn the tide. Well, <clears throat> I I know you, you, I didn't get to watch the game live, I was at a, at a wedding, uh, big up James and Vic, Um on Saturday, uh, unfortunately, uh, I had to follow it on Twitter, which is an absolutely horrendous experience. Um, so I had I watched it back, and I did. I watched match today back on Sunday, um, and then obviously read read enough about it. Um, unfortunately, put myself through lunchtime as well, watching more of the highlights. But I have no issues at the minute with Liverpool's forward line. Really, they Firmino should he, they should have scored. I have issues with that, but they're still getting themselves in chances. Um, Firmino should have put it away. Darwin Nunes had another great chance. Salah had some great chances. That was all fine with me. But see, once you come out of that forward line, 
the chasm and the the shit show that's going on behind is really really troublesome and me and Paddy talk about this privately and I know probably some of the others as well talk to us about it like it's it is a, a massive concern and and unfortunately it is a couple of years of pretty ill planning now Tiago aside um and he was pivotal so much last year when when they did almost win um the quadruple there hasn't there's been nothing really else added and players haven't been replaced the amount of players that could have left go for free as well without recouping any um transfer fees is an issue now you can look at and this transfer like the Liverpool under, under previous Michael Edwards Jurgen Klopp I know Aidan Ward Aidan Ward was there as well and now he took over the main role they were really quite successful and I think that's it's well written about well Stephen with yeah. um, players they brought in but there is now a growing list and there's plenty of um evidence to show the players that let go for free and not not really replaced and it's now it's completely snookered Liverpool and especially in the midfield I think we're covered everywhere Barn Gomez Gomez such a strange player and it's probably a podcast on his own talk about what goes on with him um, and that mistake the full backs well, was well documented by Trent but Andy Robertson's played really well um, Alisson has had an unreal season which is mad when your team's sitting ninth um, he's had a brilliant season but it is that midfield is such a and and, and when Liverpool were flying, I saw a picture of the Champions League winning side. When they were really flying, that midfield was all 27-28. It was Wijnaldum, uh, Fabinho, Henderson in their prime, really physical, really fit. The thing was then that they weren't creative enough, but you had Mane, Firmino and Salah all in their pomp, all flying. And uh, look what Wijnaldum did against Barcelona in that Champions League semi-final. So they had enough on there. Plus, the real to bring on players that were out. Every time one of them came on, they're adding some. Shakiri, massive in that Champions League semi-final. Divock Rigi, you know what he does when he comes on. Subs were able to come in and make an impact. Milner was a bit younger, able to come in and make an impact during games. You're not really feeling it at the minute with what's going on. Now, there is a lot of injuries, but I think there's been some dafties over the weekend but really let themselves down as Liverpool fans, calling for people to be gone and different things. That's not the case, but... I think there ne- there is time that they need to admit. I'm talking about Klopp and FSG because a lot of the, from what I gather anyway, a lot of the transfer uh, doings is not just because FSG won't give Jurgen Klopp money. He has the final say, really. And if they present a player to him, they don't just sign him without him having a, having a say on it. He has the final say. So it's, it's up to him primarily as well. A lot of it that I'm not going to sign here, I'm not going to do there. I want to be loyal to this player, loyal to that player. And and it must be tough too because he's been through so much of this squad. You saw how emotional he got when he won the Premier League because he knew the job he took on. That's what he had to do, and he did it. He had to get one of those over the line. He did it, and now he's been probably too loyal uh, to certain players, and he hasn't brought in enough, especially not midfield. And they've left themselves now with a massive mountain to climb. I'm not talking about this year, but trying to get the right player next year. They're going to have to be really, really clever. It has to start in January. I've do- I've said it so many times. I know Paddy doesn't agree, but. I would I would not burst the bank, but I would do all I could to be twisting Ruben Neves' ear in January to get him in. And then the young lad, the, the Caicedo that have been linked with the Brighton, since I've been linked with them, every game I've watched, including Brent, which we're going to have to talk about soon, sorry, the game on Saturday against Chelsea, he was unbelievable in midfield. He just looks like someone that Liverpool should have, or someone like a Liverpool should have in. Then in the summer, you can go and try and sign, if possible, a marquee player. That doesn't mean go spend 120 million on someone, but
but a midfielder that you know you're going to get in there that you can start basing the team around because that's just without Thiago's and his injuries that's just not what they have at the minute Fabinho's form has completely fallen off the cliff plus he got his hole slapped in Brazilian politics which is delightful up your hole uh, when Bolsonaro was beat last night so he's all over the place God love him um, but yeah it, it's a real real worry you said two possibly three players needed out at that midfield the players that have come in Kaida hasn't done it enough I don't think Jones is good enough Harvey Elliott's too young I don't think his, mid, his position's midfield I think it's more out wide up front Cavalio's still a bit lightweight uh, Oxley Chamberlain's going to go it, it's a whole shit show but it, it needs fixed immediately and I, I, I can't wait till the break to get away from a bit hopefully recover and then see what they can do in January but yeah it's 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 this season's not going to go the way we thought it was going to go to the fans it's going to be a bit of a struggle they might do something in the Cups because at the minute to me they look more like a Cup team than a League team but um, I don't know what Steve and Johnny think about it but um, yeah, it looks a complete mess I think it's very funny um, <laughs> that, that's my number one reaction um, it's I, I, I said it I, I've said it a couple of times now and at the risk of repeating myself it feels so incredibly like Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that you, you grasp at the good performances you grasp at the, the big wins and you try and tell yourself that this is a team that just needs just needs a little bit a little bit and they can turn it around and it's not. It's not. It's more than that. Like I think it's structural problems. Um, what that noise that kind of randomly popped up? That's me googling the age of Liverpool's midfield, and I think you see a massive issue. Um, because what you have is you have thirty-one-year-old Firmino, thirty-one-year-old Thiago, twenty-nine-year-old Fabinho, and then twenty-year-old Harvey Elliott, and like. Where's the players in the middle? Like, where are your 25, 26-year-olds? Um, that succession plan for that midfield just hasn't happened. Um, they haven't bought well in that position, I don't think. Um, Thiago, for all the slagging I give him, can be a great player. But he's made a, he's made a chalk. Like, he just he can't put a consistent run together because of injuries. Um, and I think there are... There are bigger issues there than 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 something that oh it just needs a tweak it just needs like there's something fundamentally flawed about a football team when they go behind twelve times in sixteen games, yeah. um, and I don't know if that's fixable. I honestly don't, and that's not to say clap out or anything by any means. It's just not fixable within a season or maybe even within two seasons. It's something that's going to take a lot of time to get right. Um, I think it's fixable in two transfer windows if you do it right. I have told myself that for nine years. Yeah, but we're not we're not complete doses of shit like United were though. But we you are. You are, like you stop stop thinking about Liverpool. Stop thinking about Liverpool no, the no, last no. five years. But I think no no no. You've lost to the two worst teams in the that's league. That's what the evidence is, though, Steve. That's what the evidence is that Liverpool. You've lost to the two worst teams in the league. Yeah. Badly and deserve to lose both yeah. games. But it's fixable in two wins. It's not. Because they're not going to go out and be absolute balloons like what United were doing. But it's Liverpool. They don't go out and spend million. money. They're not going to buy Harry Maguire for 35 million. One Bombsker for 60-odd million. They need to be sent. Yeah, but you're not going to buy anyone because you don't spend money. But that's what I'm saying. They, need, they have spent money, Stephen. They haven't spent massive money, but they've been sensible. Gino Ronaldo was 25 million. Andy Robson was If they've been sensible, million. why is there a 10-year age gap between that's, the three of them? They've made a mistake, that's what I'm saying. But they can fix it within two windows. It's not a two, three-year, four-year... Shit show. It's a two-window, I think, if they're smart about it. 
You're kidding yourself. I promise you, you're kidding yourself. You're I'm telling yourself the same myself. lies I've told myself for 10 years. You don't want it to happen. I know that they can do it. I think I think Nabi Kaida was signed in that age range and he's been a failure. I think yeah. that was what they hoped you know he would be. He's about 26, came with all these fantastic um, sort of stats for break and play up, carrying the ball. He was sort of a great hope for us that just has not worked because he is nearly always injured. Um, and he's kind of in that sweet spot where he should be in his prime but spends most of the time on on the physio table and like you were saying there Phil about a couple of transfer windows and I know Steve disagrees I think fundamentally there's lots of good things in place the midfield as we've kind of said needs needs an overhaul and it probably does I, I totally agree with Phil it does need two or three what I do slightly disagree with Phil is he said you know been let, letting players go on freeze and you're right when Aldam's gone on a free Lalana's gone on a free Origi's gone on a free Firmino will probably go on a free as well but this is what Arsenal got absolutely slated for for years, was giving big contracts to people who were over 30. No, I meant, sorry, sell them. Se- I well, I know, but... On them, sell them, like Chan, Lalana, um, oh, I can't do that, Dave Ocarigi, obviously, that's, I'll, I'll abide on that one. But, you know, if you, if they, like, for these deals, they knew this was going to happen 18, 19 months, 20 months down the line, especially when Aldam, I know that's sore, because when Aldam was brilliant, but there was a case where Liverpool could have recuperated money in some of these players, and they didn't. The Cham one as well mm. was really high profile. He's not going to sign a new deal, and they let it slide. Nabi Keita doesn't look like he's going to sign a new deal, so now is the time to do something a bit different. Sell him. I don't know who's going to buy him, because he's like Thiago, Steve pointed out, he's made of chocolate. He literally, like, Thiago, or Keita literally looks at someone else being injured, and he pulls all the muscles in his legs. I don't know how he keeps doing it. <laughs> he wasn't in training today. It hasn't been announced yet. He, he missed training again today. Like what? Uh, this is uh, diabolical, and I feel for him because play- that happens players at times. But Liverpool have to be clever here and try and get something for him and sell him on, and rather than let him run his contract down. That's that's what I meant. Yeah. So I didn't mean. Uh, oh no! Like, and I, I I do get that. I do get that point. But I think Liverpool have been quite good at like eking all the the good out of a player. Like none of those players have really gone on and and, and done loads. You know, I think yeah. you sort of even like a storage. Like you sort of get to a balance like do we offer this guy a new contract or do we keep him for a year get what we can out of him and let him go for free because what Liverpool have been good at doing is like we've talked about it before is Liverpool sell lumps of shit for 10 or 15 million pound constantly that add up like players Chelsea are also brilliant at this but like even in the summer there Liverpool sold Nico Williams for 18 million they sold Minamino for 13 and a half they sold Grouch who hasn't really played for them for years for eight Ben Davies never kicked the ball and sold him for four. You know, like, yeah. it all adds up. They're, they're quite good at making money in the transfer market. I get your point, and maybe maybe this is the one to change it. You know, go sell Kaida now and make, you know, 20, 20 million on him. A genuine, a genuine, genuine question. Who's buying him, given his injury record? He used to, he used to be sort of oh, perennially so, linked so with someone, Atletico Madrid, yeah, um, and then he'd be... With having a very good time at Leipzig, there'll be teams in Germany that'd be interested. I think he wouldn't be short of buyers for him, but you're you never going to recoup them. I think, I think there's, I think that's the problem because we've had this problem, um, trying to move on players that nobody wants or on big contracts coming to that age where they're not going to move unless they're going to get a similar deal elsewhere or a better deal, which is it's hard to do. So. You talked about players that Liverpool had let go. Like you think about when the sold Coutinho made serious money and brought in 
the best goalkeeper in the world. Well, who went on probably be one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And Fabinho, two positions they need to strengthen. I don't think they have a player like that right now who they're going to be able to to sell and then bring in two players that are going to make a massive impact. But they can get rid of those wages. They can potentially put some money together to the transfer pot that can help them bring in players that will strengthen that squad because they're really stale at the minute. And I can see similarities to where Arsenal were three, four years ago um, in terms of needing to move on players. And there's a lot of players there that you have mentioned that are hitting 30 or in their 30s, you know, that need to move yeah. on. And, and that's, just, but that, but that's also why I think it's more than it's more than two windows. I I just don't see it turning around in two windows. There's too many there's too many gaps to fill. And by the time you fix those two windows, like the time you have those two windows, some of the players who are playing well right now might be falling off the wayside. That's the issue is that you can't. You needed to be rejuvenating this midfield like three years ago. You needed to have those players. And maybe you're right. Maybe you bought the wrong players. But then that's a failure of the club. Um, because you look at Nunes and I don't know if there's a good player in there. If what I see right now is a seventy-five million pound or euro Uruguayan Andy Carroll, like that's what I see. Like there's potential there. He could score goals, but he just seems to take the wrong decision every single time. Van Dijk's thirty-one as well. I didn't realize he was in his thirty. I think you can get away with that as a defender, though. You can probably play at a really high level until thirty-four. That so you've got a well, few. I years think Thiago Silva sort of proves that yeah, you can play yeah. to quite late if you're good enough. Like I, I, I like I was only. Like bait and fill. Um, <laughs> you don't work. Yeah, I think. I think, <laughs> no I think yeah, I think <laughs> like I don't think they're quite as bad as Manchester United in twenty twenty. But I promise you, every single tweet and every single conversation I'm having with a rule fan, it honestly reminds me of the conversations I've had with United fans over the last like nine years. I swear, it's the it's the phrasing is even the same. Just two transfer windows. That'll do it. That'll do it. Um, I think it's just the cycle that. A lot of teams, except Man City, have to go through. Yeah, because that's, that's the way football should be, though. As well. yeah. Uh, yeah, like that's like look at shit. As Liverpool fans at the moment, it, it like it's not great. I can, I can, I can empathise, but that's the way football is supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's supposed to swing yeah. like this. And you, the thing is, like I, t- I talk about this all the time. Like you, you can't get too high on the wins, and you can't get too low on the losses because otherwise. Like, this is supposed to be enjoyment. This is supposed to be entertainment. If you spend your life absolutely miserable because of the result of a 90-minute football game that you have no control over, it feels like there are better things you could be doing with your time, you know? That's yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly, actually, that last bit, Steve. It's the last thing I'll ever agree with you, and soon I will fight. <laughs> Um, you mentioned Thiago Silva gets me to segue on to Chelsea uh, Thiago Silva had an interest in 14 minutes on Saturday uh, Brenton he looked like the world's best defender playing with uh, a load of clowns instead of playing college yes Brenton um, what was that about? that is the worst I've seen you playing ages I couldn't believe what I was watching it was a shot what was going on was it it's, it's weird because um I would have said before the um, Salzburg game that that was coming um, because you had the United game where United edged it um, and um, then the Brentford game as well where um, Chelsea just didn't look at themselves. Um, still sort of Potter tinkering around and I know that's what he does but 
um, the same sort of problems that were happening in the in the Tuchel era or towards the end of it anyway. Um, but this was a weird a weird way to um, to go back to that because the Salzburg game was was unbelievably good. It, it's the best football, I've, and I think you said it as well, Phil. It's the best football. I think you had been slagging Chelsea on the previous pod, and then they they had that game um, and looked really really good. Nearly scored an unbelievable goal. Um, only Johnny's boy Aubameyang um, missed the missed the open net. Um, but you know Brighton was strange because Chelsea had those stats that were missing under Tuchel and you know they were creating chances um you know they had a lot of shots had more possession um plenty of passes in the final third all the things that they were kind of struggling to apart from possession they were struggling to achieve under Tuchel um but individual errors is you know has been quite common uh for probably the last I don't know, four or five months at Chelsea. And it felt like they all came. I hope that's that's the rest of them now for the for the season. Um because it felt like they all came on, on Saturday. Um as you say, Silva um was running around trying to make up for everybody else's mistakes. Um and a few of his own to be fair as well. Mm. Um but you know, Ch- Chelsea should have known that that Brighton were going to be up for it, and to be to be down two 0 after fifteen minutes, um, with the sort of calamitous nature of both goals is is sort of unforgivable. Um, you know, I thought there were a few really individual bad performances. Um, I don't know if it was the right team. Um, Kugurea, I don't think he's been in the right sort of headspace the last couple of games. Um. Sterling as well has kind of looked off it and maybe would have given him a rest because you know he's given Mount a rest and it's it's benefited him when he's come back into the side. Um, and you know, the the um, the own goals are they are unfortunate, they're they're um, you know, both both Chalaba and Loftus Cheek are basically just sticking a foot out and it, it goes the wrong way. And, and for that to happen twice in the one game, um is a bit unfortunate, but um, no, Brighton absolutely deserved um, the three points. I think um, Potter said that after the game. Um, Trossard is is just absolutely unbelievable. I, I don't know if he'll be at Brighton for that long. And I know there's stories today about Arsenal maybe wanting him and, and also Chelsea wanting him. Um, and I think he would he would excel at at a top six club. Um, but just a, a really, really bad day at the office. And it's, <clears throat> I know Johnny was sort of saying last week that Arsenal were were kind of um, starting to maybe look a bit tired or, or, you know, their performances were starting to dip off. But, you know, after the, the result at the weekend there and the performance coming back from a draw at Southampton and, and Hammer and Forest, you know, Chelsea really do need this, they have an actual dead rubber against Zagreb on Wednesday night, and you know that'll be a completely different eleven to to try and prepare these players for for Arsenal coming to the bridge on Sunday because that'll be a really really tough test. Chelsea's toughest test of the season, you know, so far because um, Arsenal just 
continue to win games and, and continue to look good. Just like on Chelsea um, Saturday, like you said about Cucurella, has, has there been has there been a problem there? I I haven't watched loads and loads of Chelsea, and you were right last week. I I'd said how I'd found them quite boring, and we talked about this, and then they had the Salzburg result, and then it's sort of it, what I'm trying to get at is is Saturday's uh, a complete fluke, or is this something that like, because sometimes when a team gets chinned like this, it can sort of really rock them for a little while. Do you think Chelsea can bounce back from this, or what's what's your sort of feeling on it? And 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 on obviously, as I said, Cucurella, has there been an issue there? And uh, are they going to be getting any like Koulibaly back or anything time soon, or what's? Well, well, that has been sort of the issue because, um, that the right hand side, um. Ever since Fafana has has gone out injured as well, and and people forget about Fafana being injured too, and and the the options that are across the back line. I mean, they're they're missing Reece James, Fafana, and Koulibaly at the minute. Um, so he's really kind of had to to tinker about. It, it, it's it's looked okay up until Saturday, obviously, with the right hand side has looked good with Chalaba and um, Loftus Cheek's been playing wing back there. Pulisic was um was playing there against Salzburg and did did well. Um but the but the left hand side has been disconnected. Like Chilwell still doesn't look like himself and it's almost as if Kugare doesn't suit like a left sided centre back role as as much as he as he suits the, the left wing back. And um Sterling's been playing there for the last couple of games at left wing back and he's just not his position. Um, you know, I think he he is limited on options, um, Potter, because it's it's not where I would have Raheem Sterling and um, <clears throat> the sort of were playing a a diamond in midfield against uh, Salzburg and then um, changed it for the for the Brighton game. So it's it's all um, quite disconnected, and it's because I mean it's hard to kind of blame it on on one person coming out of the team, but. Chelsea looked quite solid um, with Reese James in the team just because of how good he was and because of the sort of extra protection he gave you. It it, it allowed the um, the sort of the other players around him to to let loose a wee bit and, and to push on or um, you know they knew he was he was covering in and um, I think that was maybe after losing Fofana and then Reese James as well. Um, it's sort of the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of of that defence, and there's just I think somebody mentioned it earlier with Liverpool, like there's just not enough um, sort of experienced heads there, um, or even you know experienced in this Chelsea side, if that makes sense. Um, but you know, there, there, I think there was plenty of good signs in the um, in the last couple of games. Um, I mean. United were the better side in the first half against Chelsea, but Chelsea did look better in the second half and, and you know, almost came away with three points, which, you know, is, is obviously what you want when you're when you're not um, fully at it to, to come away with three points against United would have been a great result. Um, sort of grinding out the, those results, which, which they weren't doing under Tuchel. Um, but, I mean, Brighton at the weekend was a real step backwards. Um Obviously, Kappa getting injured as well, waiting to hear about that. Um, you know, after him having a, a great run of games, 
Um, I think the the sort of the Champions League dead rubber in the middle of the week will hopefully give them a chance to sort of go over it and um, you know just uh, assess how it's gone and um, what they can do to to change it for for Arsenal coming to the bridge because you know then they've got they've got Man City in the League Cup. Um, on the Wednesday and then, you know, well in Newcastle, which um, if you look at the table right now is, you know, a top four clash. Chelsea have a game in hand, um, which would put them fourth. But um, it's, uh, it's it's not a great um, feeling after the weekend there. Do you think they can? Do you think this will just be a, a one-off then, Brenton? Just a, or are you worried that... <sighs> Because it's Arsenal See, next in the league, it, it may be hard to judge because it's Arsenal and Newcastle next in the league. Um, and Brighton are Brighton are a great side. <laughs> like they're they're a very good yeah. side. Like really well coached. Even deserve. I know it's Derby's first win, but you can see he's just carried on exactly what Graham Potter had instilled in there, and they've been excellent in time. So, or do you think? Nah, this will. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to to get top four. Um, just. Uh, we'll probably talk about United, but they they definitely look ba- like they're back um, where they sort of should be and where they belong. And um, you know, like the United, we kind of remember where um, they're winning games when you know maybe they haven't played the best. And um, certainly, I think that was that was the case at the weekend. But um, everyone. I think expects like Newcastle's form to dip at some stage because well I I don't know if if anyone else thinks that but I have been thinking that um and they're they're riding an unbelievably high wave at the minute um I'm not sure what their fixtures are um you know before the World Cup but um they're on a great run so that that'll be so difficult a, a way to. Uh, to a Newcastle side who, you know, I'm sure the fans will be absolutely buoyant. I don't think Newcastle will make top four. Um, don't know what the rest is. You want to jump in? Patrick, do you think Newcastle will make Please top God, four? Please, God, no. Uh, no, I don't think we'll make top four. Um, I think I think they've, they've exceeded probably everyone's expectations by, by sitting where they are on the table at the moment. Um, and that's to be fair. That's even with some injuries. You know, with uh, Alison Maxman's been out, uh, Isaac, their big money signing up front, has been out for large periods, and Wilson has done exceptionally well. However, I think I think they're they're good enough to finish in the Europa League spots, but I can't see them being consistent enough to to mount a serious sort of Champions League push. Um, I think Chelsea have been so inconsistent. You know, to throw in that performance. It was kind of similar to the way they capitulated against Leeds earlier on in the season too. Like it's, you sort of thought Potter was, was sort of uh, getting it right, and you know maybe it was just a a bad day at the office. But I still think Chelsea are a much much better side than Newcastle, and eventually the cream will kind of rise to the top. And uh, I can see Newcastle being very delighted if they finish in the top sort of six or seven. Yeah, I would go with that. What do you think, Johnny? Think Newcastle will. Push this, and what did you make of Chelsea when I up next? It's your sales that in the league. <clears throat> um, I mean, why not? I mean, the could if they stay consistent enough. I mean, Chelsea and Liverpool um, have recently kind of been like, "Now nah, I don't want it," but 
sad to see, you know, maybe the the World Cup break might be good for a lot of teams. Um, I didn't actually see a lot of the Chelsea game, to be quite honest with you. Just seeing the scoreline. And I suppose, like Steve said earlier, I did have a wee bit of a giggle. Um, I don't think the game on Sunday is going to be easy at all. You know, just because Chelsea got beat by Brighton doesn't mean they're not going to put in a performance on Sunday. You know, <clears throat> Arsenal normally do play better against Chelsea when they're the underdogs. And I suppose maybe for the first time in a long time, they're going into this game probably as favourites. Um, but it's it's all set up, isn't it, for an Aubameyang winner? So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, what I, you fear the most, I can tell. Yeah, well, he's just he's just so fucking irrelevant. Like, you know, he'll have his winner and fucking you can finish in the Europa League or, or all these one. Um but I, I've sort of just had the same mindset as I remember you spoke about a long time ago, Phil. When you go away to the top six, if you get out of there with a draw, happy days, you go when you move. Yep. Move on to the next game. So that's sort of if we get out of Stamford Bridge with a draw, I'd be I'd be happy enough. Um if Arsenal score first on Sunday, um I can see it tough being tough for Chelsea to turn it around because when Arsenal have very quick starts, they tend to score one or two in quick succession um, which actually wasn't the case on Sunday against um, Forest. they got a very early goal had chances and it took to the second half really there was a bit of a worry because obviously this happened last week against Southampton Arsenal started like a house on fire probably should have been 3-0 up in the first 20 minutes and just didn't take their chances and Southampton got an equaliser um, there was that worry obviously it would happen again this week but um, fortunately it didn't is Arsenal's Johnny is Arsenal's game against Zurich of any importance yep. will, will they play yeah they, they, need a, they need a win to finish top of the group but um, what do you think he'll do team team wise he'll play a strong team yeah he will he'll play a strong team because if you don't finish if you finish second then you go into the round of 32 yeah so you want to avoid that um, so he will he'll go strong I imagine they'll play a very strong team on Thursday. Probably try and get the job done early on, then probably sub players off. I'd be surprised if Reese Nelson didn't start the game on Thursday after how he played yesterday. So and they're still, you know, they're still not sure what way Bukayo Saka is after getting absolutely rinsed yesterday. So he might miss the game on Sunday, which would be obviously a boost for Chelsea because Saka's been on great form recently. Um, but yeah, he will. He'll play a very strong team. I imagine they'll be majority of the regular starters maybe you'll see the likes of Rob Holding come in or maybe Fabio Vieira might start the game I don't know but it will be strong now so there, there was that worry he played a lot of regulars against PSV last week um, and then he brought on the likes of Jesus and Ben White and all quite late on when Arsenal were uh, 1-0 down to try and chase an equaliser you can see his reasoning behind it but I was just sort of you know the way a game's going where it's just it's not going for you and they're not playing well and I just thought it's just don't risk players like because Gabriel actually limped off that game holding his hamstring and we were thinking for fuck's sake that's him out for a couple of weeks but he was actually alright in the end which thank god because he's been he's had his moments this season which you know Paddy we were there we witnessed a bit of a mock up for Mitrovic to score for Fulham like, that, that is probably the worry for Arsenal on Sunday is that they have been a bit um, I suppose ropey at the back in the last number of weeks but it it really depends how up for Chelsea are and really how up for Arsenal are of course like you know 
you can't you don't go away to the teams like Chelsea and expect to walk over them like I don't think that's gonna happen at all but you imagine the likes of a Bamiang especially will be up for the game because like, after the way things ended up him and Arteta the he'd just love to get one over on them like wouldn't he? So it'd, it'd be, be a, a real game, statement. Like. I think it'd be a real statement if Arsenal did go to, to Stamford Bridge and win convincingly. And uh, uh, you know, there's there's a good chance that could happen. As you say, you, you don't know what. As Paddy, I think made reference to already, like um, Chelsea are so inconsistent this season, and you don't know what Chelsea are going to turn up if Chelsea aren't fully quite at it. And you know, Arsenal have been so far this season, um, way more consistently. If they, you know, beat Chelsea three, three, four, and L, say. Um, I think that's that's a real statement at a really good time to do it. You know, just um, just before the World Cup, um, that's and then I think you know as Arsenal, you're you're maybe looking at you know group groups of games um, in in January. Um, I, th- I was looking. Um, what is it? Newcastle, Tottenham, United in a row. Um, you know, little groups of games like that where they can. You know, realistically, um, look forward to and, and manage, um, because you know at the minute, why would you not? And then you know, as you said, I think on a previous budget, a um, in April, Man City, Chelsea, um, Newcastle, um, you know that's that's the the second uh, the Arsenal game at home against Chelsea. Um, mm-hmm. I have to say, by the way, it sounds like it's the fucking bottle of Hogwarts out my back. There's fireworks going off everywhere, so <laughs> if you can hear them, apologies. Fucking absolute. <laughs> Probably is, but to be fair. Um, sorry about that, but um, yeah, I mean, if Arsenal go convincingly win at Chelsea, obviously that's a great result. I mean, if they lose, which the possibility they might lose, the overreaction of people online is going to be just it's going to be probably... absolutely hilarious. It's because uh, I don't really know the Chelsea fan base that way. I don't really know them on, online. Arsenal's is daft, Liverpool's daft, and my United's are daft. And one thing they all do well is overreact like fuck when something mad happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three uh, fan bases really do specialise in that. Um, so it'll be really Chelsea's are like that too. Class. So it'll be really really interesting um, if they were to lose. Uh, on Sunday to see what that reaction is like. I know you don't want to find that out, John, but just to see how they react because there's been it's been such a good feel good story at Arsenal this year. Like they really um took it like it was a t- like ten or eleven wins out of the last I don't know how many league games and they're absolutely flying. So, and then just that'll be the first time where people start to think it's cracking. Plus it won't help that no doubt Man City will beat here with airplane at the weekend. Mm-hmm. And they'll be in front, so it'll be like, oh, that's it, Man City are on top of the league now. What's going to happen? So, yeah, it's uh, this is this arguably one of the key game for Arsenal so far this season, um, on Sunday. So I think every game, every game has in a way, it's probably going to feel like that while you're still at the front. Um, Aye, because Steve Steve's holding out for us as the great hope <laughs> to stop Man City, uh, winning the league again. I mean, it's held take an awful lot of luck. For Arsenal to avoid injuries, for Man City to slip up, for I mean, Bournemouth deserve fucking relegation right now <laughs> for their display on on Saturday. Them absolute bastards! I was fuming. I was more. I was actually so happy seeing Spurs and Chelsea both get beat. I was like, this is freaking great. What a Saturday! Give me a beer. 
And then I went and got a shower to get ready, came back out and seen Spurs had went 3-2 up. And I'm like, how did that happen? They deserve relegation <laughs> right now. You somehow managed to shoehorn a Spurs blink in there for a fuck's gun. And the way you do it every week, it's actually unbelievable. It's world class. Uh, Can we just give a special mention to Harry Kane for thinking he'd won the game last weekend? It was... <laughs> oh <laughs> my god the joy in my heart <laughs> yeah, he is um i'm sorry brenton for using this word in this podcast but he's such a cunt um steven well 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 it's your time to shine now um the the other bald fraud in manchester has got his team just like harry Maguire, steve yeah. um steve <laughs> Maguire. he's just um he, he he's coming through united have, a, have an identity now dave the save was well, actually dave the save yesterday but um Ronaldo started and United won. Weird. Hmm. It was weird. Um wasn't a huge fan of the team selection at all. Um a lot Steve, of the issues. Well, yeah. what, what did you think about um Ronaldo ignoring Gary Neville? Like I <laughs> have thought Gary Neville would be a bit of a prick, but I thought it was really childish like I thought it was very funny because I don't particularly like either of them so like you know um, but like the thing about Ronaldo is it's all image. Like, look at him with his World Cup haircut already. Um, it and like you saw a lot of the issues was, and I've brought this up so many times, and I'm almost sick of talking about it. But you see, Fernandez and is a different player when Ronaldo's in there because he's trying to force the ball through to Ronaldo like every single time rather than picking out the best pass. And I thought there was an awful lot of stuff in the final third, particularly where players with the exception of Rashford actually um were more focused on whether or not they got a, the right ball into Ronaldo than actually picking out the right pass and I think I didn't think West Ham were great I thought they they, they put on a little bit of pressure towards the end and De Gea pulled out a couple of a couple of really good saves but I thought United were quite comfortable um but I think I, I don't know how Martinez didn't get man of the match I thought he was immense again I think he is turning out to be I suppose the player they probably hoped Harry Maguire would be when they signed him. Um, he just looks like a player in absolute control. And we, you know, someone mentioned earlier on about Liverpool going out and getting Van Dijk and Allison, and the difference one player can actually make to a team when when you're when you're kind of that that far off the oh, pace, like it instantly hits Miro as well. Well, I think you'll find it's been 18, you'll be, I think you'll find it's been 18 transfer windows. Um, but, I think, uh, Stephen, between Casemiro and Martinez, yeah, I know, it's unreal, <laughs> like, it was pissing rain about 10 minutes ago, and I was like, at least that's done, but no, it's still Stephen going. Um, that's, that's the Man United fans celebrating Champions League football next year, because, um, you, win you know, it's going to happen at this stage, so, Going ahead. Yeah, oh, no, I'm just saying. Are they, they bothering the fuck out of your windows? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, they're not even close. They're like two roads away. Like it, I don't understand how it's how it's all out. But um, sounds, no, like, I, I, sounds I, like 1980s Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I will say like I'm 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 very happy with like how United are progressing. Um, still a long way off, but like. You know, win their game in hand. They're only three points behind City, um, and with really, really decent shape with Champions League football next year. Signing 
proven players isn't always like the best approaches we saw with Varane and his injuries and things like that but Casemiro has just been unbelievable um as I said Martinez has been good Sancho's been disappointing I think still in the fact that he missed out um I was surprised I was surprised that Maguire did start but look I think the lot has been very good this year I think there's a lot of positives you can't you can't I can't I can't pretend that they're challengers title challengers yet because they're absolutely not but I also can't pretend to be be unhappy with the progress that they're making I think he's doing a really good job I think thought his his post-game interview um was really insightful um even when Jamie Redknapp asked the most stupid question I think I've ever heard um I can't even remember I, I like my brain literally shut off after he spoke because it, it just froze like he killed half the brain cells in my brain um but like the Neville Neville um was asking like some really tactical questions and, and Ten Hag was given um like really in-depth answers and I thought it was it was quite insightful because he was he was talking about how the wingers um you know when they're when they're pressing forward um and what they need to do then in defense and how that was kind of faltering in the second half later on that they were they were too quick to look for the counter-attack um and not actually focusing on defending the ball in the first place they were kind of keeping one eye on on the break before actually winning possession back to get the break and stuff like that and i can't that's the thing i can't even remember what jamie redknapp came in with but i remember like literally slamming my phone down on the table thinking what a fucking gobshite um so i like but yeah over like overall um seven and a half out of ten West Ham are always a tricky side. One United and West Ham always seems to finish one nil. So you know, as soon as United scored, I felt like that 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 was job done. I think massive game on Thursday um, with Rails Sociedad because I think you don't want to you don't want to finish second in the group. You want to get that break. Um, so like, look, it's it's a it's a it's a big week coming up. But I think. We'll probably do. I don't know if we will, but if we're doing a if we're doing a grades podcast at some stage just before the the World Cup break, you'd have to say you know they're probably B plus this season. It's definitely ahead of, of of where I thought they'd be at this stage. Yeah, you can you can you can probably see an identity now. And, you know, it, it, it's so mad. Yeah, when and you get just the team that's well coached. It's so mad when you get someone that can coach. Isn't it? it makes yeah. a difference. Like when there's actually <laughs> yeah. knows yeah, like I, my my thing is is that players win games, but coaches lose them. Um, and I think they've got a coach now who, who won't lose as many games as the the previous coaching regimes they've had, which is mad when you think about the quality of some of those coaches. I mean, it's not like you're talking about bad coaches, uh, with the exception of Solskjaer, obviously, and 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 maybe even David Moyes. But it's um, it, it it's the fact he's constantly looking for improvements. Um, there's no there's no resting on laurels there's no kind of bigging up anyone who doesn't deserve it and like even look at Casemiro like he had to fight his way into yeah. the team um, there, there's a man with like what five Champions Leagues um, it's pretty incredible like that he has and like I, w- I wouldn't have had Ronaldo near the near the starting 11 or in the squad as, as Brendan kind of, kind of said but he has to probably do something to keep the the pro Ronaldo camp within the United squad on side, and he, he seems to be walking that line 
very very well and you have to give you know kudos for that yeah it, it, he's I've been impressed uh, by Ten Hag obviously he had a pretty ropey start first couple of games but once he's been able to get his sort of teeth into it and and change things that you can see and I don't even thought the Liverpool performance was we thought what this was more like sort of counter-attacking and it wasn't they weren't outstanding in that game but you've seen in other games this season where they started to take over games and different things see certain patterns of play and obviously Casemiro finally getting into the squad makes a huge difference because he's he's such a complete bollocks I'm sick of looking at him but he's brilliant um, at what he does um, yeah. but yeah it's it, they're all, they're definitely on the move United as, they'll get into the top four I think but they'll be they're, they're still going to be it's going to be quite tight um, that top four fifth sixth they're going to rain around I actually, do you know what? I'm, 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 I'm normally pessimistic as as anyone who's listened to this podcast will know. But you know, I'm, I'm quite confident that they'll finish That's third, and I think they'll finish third with a little bit to spare. Um, I think there'll be a right old ding dong for for fourth spot um this year. But I think United will be outside of it. I think they'll be well behind City. Um, and Arsenal will obviously win the league. Yes. But um, I think I think United will comfortably be third. We are honestly in the multiverse of football. I hope Brenton keeps this clip because <laughs> Steve's just relegated Manchester United and I want Sir. to play it back in June. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I have Mark. Hey, this, you're talking about the person who predicted Thomas Tuchel being the first manager sacked. So, like, I, I predicted Steve, that when he was the league. hired, actually. At the start Did of I? Season, yeah. I don't remember half the things I say. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, if you say enough stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're throwing up shit at a wall, it'll eventually um, stick. Speaking of shit at a wall, the, the World Cup is on the horizon. Um, <laughs> now, I, I sort of wrote... The Cricket World what, Cup? What did you say? Did you say the no, Cricket World, World Cup? Cup's currently ongoing. And, and in case anyone, I know some of my friends oh, who right. listen to this, Ireland did beat England oh. Cricket Lads, up your holds. Um, we'll not talk about today's result against Australia, which is pretty diabolical, but it happens. Um... Yeah, the World Cup's coming up, and I, I have been on the fence. You lads know I've, I've talked about it in the group chat and different things. Johnny, me and you have talked about it offer, pretty few things as well, what we're going to do. Uh, you obviously set your stall out earlier on. You don't want to watch it. Oh, Steve, you're the same. I think Paddy and Brenton are going to watch it, and I really didn't know what to do. Um, and I was really humming and hand, and like I was talking to Sarah about it and different things, and then, pardon me, coming home on Sunday, yesterday, I was just like, I, I want to write about it. I just don't know where to sit in the fence, and uh, just the the, the one last me- not one la- one message just tipped it for me, and it wasn't just that person's message um, or his tweet. Um, it was also like stuff in behind it from uh, everyone else jumping onto it, and I just thought, no, this just I just can't like I I just wouldn't f- I don't personally I just wouldn't feel right. That's not saying you can't watch it, and I would never tell anyone not to watch it. I watched the Saudi Grand Prix, so I'm a hypocrite. I, I always watch the Qatar MotoGP. I love it. Me and my dad loved it. Start of season of MotoGP it was a night race, good track track for races. We watch it, so I'm a, I'm a massive hypocrite that way. But there's something about the World Cup. And I mentioned in the blog like it's my first memory of football. Paddy always slags me because I don't think I believe or remember Roberto Baggio, but Roberto Baggio was my boy. I loved it. I loved the 94 World Cup, everything about it. Um, and just, it just doesn't feel right. So I am, I've made the decision I am not going to watch it. And it's interesting for any of our listeners listening to this and what they think about it. I don't think it's a right or wrong, personally. I think it's your own decision. Um, and I'd never tell anyone not to watch it or tell anyone not to watch it. You make a call yourself, do whatever. 
Um, likewise, I'm going to have a tough choice uh, for the Qatar Grand Prix next year because I haven't missed one. I obviously, obviously, Dad's not here, but I still want to watch it because I love watching MotoGP. Um, so I don't know, and I honestly don't know what I'll do. I really, really don't know what I'll do when it comes up. But for the World Cup, there's just something, and and again, this is hypocritical again, but there's just something about it. I don't know what you think. Something about it, just I can't do it now, and it's it's actually people think this is virtue signaling, and it's not something I'd ever do. I promise you that it's actually really disappointing. Uh, it's really annoyed me that um, I'm not watching it. Um, I'll, I'll probably hear about it on the radio because I never have the radio off, even when I go to bed at night time. Um, so I'll probably hear all the coverage of it, but I'm just gonna try and avoid it as much as possible. And it's 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 strange, and I probably should have done the same thing for Russia, really and truly. Uh, and I, I maybe I should have done that too, and I haven't, but uh, I'm gonna do it. So I don't know what what do you, Johnny? You were vocal earlier on, so what what do you think? What? Hmm. I I feel the same as you. What you just said there, like it's it's sort of sad that you know, you're going to miss a World Cup. Um, it is unavoidable because, you know, like you say, on the radio, there'll be clips probably all over Twitter or social media, you know, um, and people in my office will probably have it on the radio as well. So it'll be unavoidable in that way, Like, but I am not going out of my way to watch any of this World Cup, just especially after, I know, the, the tweet you're referring to, like, nah, that's just not on. What was said there, yeah. and I'm not even going to repeat it because it's yeah. just you're just a scummy uh, bastards, and if that's the people that will be running this World Cup, then no, thank you, it is not for me. Um, and this shit, like, because the World Cup's great. I have the the DVD up the stairs of the South Africa World Cup. I loved that World Cup; it was brilliant. Um, it's just real special time that happens every four years, and yeah, it's um. I think on there when when you were talking, just it does bring a wee bit of sadness, like because it's it is an occasion that should be celebrated across the world, and everybody should be able to go to it and watch it. But you know, even people that had on the radio between today and yesterday, you know, people from LGBTQ backgrounds have said that they've obviously been warned not to go to Qatar, and they're not going because they wouldn't want to put their family and friends through it. And you know what? That's not right. You know, they should be able to go and enjoy it and. Um, I don't know if anybody watched um, Gary Neville's, uh, I wouldn't say it was a documentary now, it was more like just a half hour, 45 minute sort of show where he went to guitar to see how things are, you know, a few months before the World Cup kicks off and, you know, they're, they're, they're saying this nonsense, like, uh, you know, people that are, are gay or whatever are welcome to the World Cup, just don't, basically just don't be yourself, don't, you know, insult us with, you know, how you live your life and that is absolute nonsense, like um, I'm sorry if you can hear the fireworks again. <laughs> it's it's just it's just ridiculous. Um I think I'll let somebody else come in here before literally it sounds like Paul Meldridge trying to bomb so he's work away at us. Sounds like uh Spud is desperate to get out there. Like. <laughs> it's, it's actually Spud banging his head against that dog house. door. <laughs> well actually just Spud knocking the door down to be quite honest. Uh go Fred, sorry, you um, jump in there. I well, I suppose to I don't know to to give a a, a different opinion because I I am going to watch it. Um, obviously, um, I think it's pretty pretty clear to anybody who listens to this podcast that none of us um agree with um with any of the uh, Qatar um messages going out um and. 
sort of the um everything that's been been happening with um you know people people dying building the stadiums um you know the obviously you're talking about the journalists they're tweeting out um the list goes on and on um and johnny just said about it he just picked up on the one word about celebrating it um and that is what i'll be doing with any other world cup and um have done in the past but um you know it's more i think out of a um obviously i, I want to watch the football you yeah. know that's um that's probably the long and short of it but to to sort of tune in um with a with a political viewpoint and um more of an interest and in to see how um the media approach it you know our media here um you know what way they're actually going to cover the the real issues that um that are so concerning to people and um you know how they're going to balance that with i suppose trying to um get it across as an entertainment product um you, you know as you said there's there's plenty of examples of um other sporting events and, and player sponsorships and everything i think you you were talking about mo salah today um you know you see it every day now but it's it's not not to get confused about um it's it's still not an excuse to go well and if you see it every day that's okay um you know i would hope that um yeah i was listening to a short clip on um from adam crafton you know from the athletic um who um i think covers football in general maybe united more so um but he's gay and, and he's going out um he was saying you know they're asking him how he feels about going out and, and um you know is he scared or or is he concerned about um you know how how he's going to be treated um and he said he's, he's going out in uh very much a work capacity and he'll be with his um his colleagues and um you know he he said it would be a real story if something happened to him as a british journalist and um so he feels like he's kind of half protected in that way um but when he was comparing it to if he was going as a fan if he was going um with a partner uh, for example um to to have such a contrast of of thoughts and feelings about it um is not something that should be normal um you know he he should be able to go out in in a work aspect or or a personal aspect and then have no difference with how that's going to affect his experience but the f- the fact that it would dramatically change and the fact that he couldn't be himself or um you know they couldn't be a normal couple when they were there um just very much points at, at red flags and um i think we all know what they are but yeah the 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 reason I'm watching it is for the football. I'll, I'll I'll say that um first and foremost, but you know I, I'm really interested in to see how how it comes across on as you you guys mentioned on on the social media and um from the the ex footballers the pundits who go out, but mostly from the you know our main broadcasters here. Mm, like Gary Neville's working for Dean Sports or something. Um, 
sorry, a point I forgot to actually make before the fireworks started was the difference for this World Cup as well also is that, you know, there's going to be NBA on, there's going to be NFL for the likes of the other fellas who, who watch that and for a part of November we'll also have the Autumn Nations in the rugby too, like, so it's not like we're going to be starved of sport, um, so we'll have those to, to distract us as well for those that probably won't watch the World Cup, but it's, it's it is very interesting to hear that anyway, Brent, and you know how he feels about going out. You know, two different, two different, completely. You know, it'll be totally different from going out as a fan rather than going out in a work capacity. But I'm sure at the same time, he must have his his worries that what if something does happen to him when I'm out here? Because I don't think he's not he's not very quiet about who he nope. is on Twitter and why should he be? Um, yep. So I'm sure there will be people in guitar, journalists, whatever, who are very aware of who he is. Like so, um, it w- yeah, it will be interesting to see how people are treated, and no doubt if something goes down, it will be all over social media within minutes. Like so, um, it'll yeah, yeah, it'll just just be interesting to see how people's experiences are of this World Cup when it's all over. You actually said there, and was important, Patrick and Steve jump in as well. Um, a couple of things. The fact that Brenton felt like he had to explain that he's watching just for the football is another sad. This is the World Cup and people are feeling like, obviously, they want, I understand, I want to watch it. I know I want to watch it, but I'm, I'm just not going to. But the fact that Brenton has to say, I'm watching this, but I'm only watching for the football is, you know, he shouldn't have to say that. He should be able to just watch the World Cup because it's the World Cup and enjoy himself and not feel, do you know what I mean? This is a, a massive issue, but this is where we are because the football governing bodies, FIFA and whatever, um, love taking bribes and they'll get bought for World Cups. The other bit you're talking about the sports being on, I'm actually I haven't since I've stepped away from working a bit in the Irish League, I haven't been to an Irish League game, so I'm just going to chuck myself into the Irish League and try and go to a few games every weekend um, that I can get to because they're on across Fridays and Saturdays and sometimes Mondays and sometimes Sundays now as well. So. Um, I'm gonna try and get into those and get back into it because I've missed it. Like I've missed it massively, and that's still going on. Um, this season with Glentoran at the front of it, probably be delighted. But uh, uh well, Borderline actually gonna get chinned in about two weeks' time and get relegated soon, so that's not great for me either. Um, but yeah, Patrick and Stephen, I don't know which one of these wants to come in first. Um, if he's wanting to come in, you don't have to. But if you have a comment on it, I want to want to. Yeah, well, I, I suppose I, I don't mind speaking. I, I, I am going to watch the World Cup. Like, um, I love the World Cup. Um, like you spoke about your sort of, you know, first World Cup experience in '94. I think it's Andrew that slags you about that, not me. But um, you know, I think we all we all have our first World Cup and how special that is. Like, I totally disagree with what's going on in Qatar. You know, it's the figure report is there's six and a half thousand workers dead, and I was actually speaking last week to my brother's girlfriend who had lived in in Qatar in Doha and she said you know, you'd see the buses shipping shipping workers into construction sites and things like that so like yeah the conditions are are absolutely horrendous um and when you compare that I heard that in the making of all the stadiums for London 2012 all the facilities like there wasn't a single worker died yeah there's six and a half thousand workers have died in this it's it's absolutely insane people are getting you know, working in insane heat and, you know, awful health and safety conditions. Completely horrendous. Added to that all the um, LGBTQ plus, um, uh, you know, complete ridiculous, you know, uh, stance by the by the Qatari 
government. Um, like there was a guy on the radio the other day. He was I can't remember his name, but he was head of the Liverpool Supporters Club or LGBTQ plus Supporters Club, and he said he had been out there for work on like a sort of um, just kind of sc- scouting it out and, and what Qatar was like. And he went with his with his partner and said that they just lived in fear that someone might come to their hotel room and knock the door and arrest them or or you know things like that so yeah i I totally disagree with all 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 those things but you know it's out of my control the world cup was decided to be held in this place and i think it's although those things are obviously wrong you know those are views held in a lot of that part of the world um the middle east and you know i can see what some people argue is that you know you can't just say well the middle east can never have a world cup ever like these are people that like football too um you know so anyway it's there through through right or wrong and i'm really looking forward to it um in terms of the football it'll be our last one probably we're going to see lionel messi who in my opinion is the best player to ever play the game i really want to see argentina do something at it um for him and yeah, I've already bought my World Soccer magazine. I've got my wall chart up. I'm ex- I'm excited. I am excited because um, it's World Cup. It's once every four years and, you know, let's go. I'd also like to see Messi win it, but uh, yes. Stephen, going ahead. Um, I think I think it's like the, the great contradiction of, of human existence is that like we happily kind of embrace our own contradictions. And then demand and our own hypocrisy and demand that everyone else is perfect. So I'm never going to turn around because of that. Like I'm, I'm an, I'm a hypocrite. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'd like to think I'm, I'm, I'm a socialist viewpoint, but I buy from Amazon. I'd like to think that, you know, I don't want the world to end in a, in a, a fiery death and I, I drive a diesel. Like, um, hypocrisy is, is part of, like, the human existence, I think. Um, So that's why I'd never turn around and kind of tell anyone what they should or shouldn't do with with the World Cup. Um, I won't watch it. I think I, I've been on, on record about that for, for a while now. Um... And it's not necessarily even because of, like, it just seems that, like, the reasons why I won't watch it are, they're not being alleviated, they're being compounded, if anything. All all the worst things that we thought um, about Qatar are just being kind of, there's another layer of shit, like, being plastered on it, Um seemingly every day now. Like, you look at the, the, the 50 Dutch fans that they're paying to to go out and be influencers and like spread like fake content basically around the world cup. And it's, you don't need to do that if you're running a, a legitimate and an exciting tournament. And you know what the worst part is? Like it's, it's what, it's what Johnny mentioned there about like the world cup is supposed to happen when nothing else is happening. Right. We had a summer this summer where, because they had changed the structure of the GA championship, say in, in in down here as well, there was periods of the summer where there was no sport on, and it was horrific, like it genuinely was horrible. And there should have been a World Cup, and I couldn't help but be annoyed by that. And now there's going to be a World Cup in the middle of the basketball season, in the middle of the football season, um, 
and and that's just not right. It just doesn't. And as much as I I love the World Cup, and, and I, I mentioned like my my first World Cup memory is nineteen eighty six. That's how old I am. Um, like I I love it. I've never missed one. I, like some of my like. I can define. I I know like my memory wouldn't be great, but I remember exactly where I was for any World Cup game you can kind of mention, um, because it's such a fundamental part of being a football fan. It is the that's why I don't agree football being in the Olympics because you know the World Cup is the the pinnacle of football, and to to have that I feel like I have it. I've I've had it robbed from me because of of everything that went on because of the bribes because of the homophobia because of the workers that because of all of these things kind of layered upon layer upon layer upon layer of corruption and and homophobia and human rights abuses it's it's just it's just going to be too hard for me to enjoy it i'm going to be sitting there i'm going to be miserable for enjoying it so i might as well watch the basketball watch the nfl because I'll just be happier doing it. But do I understand why people will still watch it? Do I understand why people are still excited about it? Absolutely. It's the World Cup. I completely get it. Just not for me. Yeah, it's... Um, it, I, I just find it like really shit that we're all feeling indifferent about it. Um, you know, We should all be... We should be buzzing. We should be planning to like what we did beforehand try and cover one as much as we can like remember the euros like every, every day we were doing something and i mean that was <laughs> hectic especially i i had a was he about four month old son or whatever it was or was he a year old then i can't remember but uh, i had a baby in the house and then having to do all this and run out but i loved it i loved every minute of it and um just uh yes but i've made the decision people say to me it's your choice and it is my choice i've made the decision and i, I don't think there's a right or wrong personally if you want to watch it don't want to watch it you just do your own, whatever it is. Um, but uh, yes, that it'll just be strange. It'll be quite weird and quite strange. But I look forward to the one after it in four years' time. I'll really, well, three and a half. I'll really chuck myself into that. Um, try and persuade Sarah to go on holidays. To I think it's in. Is it in America? The next one. The next one in America. The next Euros in Germany. The next. Yeah, it's like America. It's like America. Canada. You'd be good for planning yeah. a trip, Paddy. I'll let, let you deal with that one. Um, but yeah, look, I think that's us covered with quite a, a longish one this week. Um, I think that's everything covered. Uh, there'll be obviously the Champions League and Europa League on this week, and then there's quite a big weekend of football Liverpool, Arsenal, and um, or Liverpool Spurs and Arsenal, Chelsea on Sunday. Uh, so I'm sure we'll get covered in that next week. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Check out all, all our coverage across Twitter and uh, Instagram, get us on patreon.com for slash the football babble as well. Uh, and you get us our sorry on Twitter and Instagram football babble pod. And yeah, come get involved. Um, I there's a blog up there, there might be more writing come up during the week. I'm not sure if there is, keep an eye out for it. And yeah, enjoy the rest of the football. And we'll chat to you again next week, boys. As always, it was a bit of pleasure and good luck. A transfer windows.